I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. week's episode of Biz Talks. I'm Kim Singletary. I'm the managing editor of Biz New Orleans magazine. Our next guest was our the cover of our first issue of Biz New Orleans in October of 2014 and also our CEO of the year for January of 2019. Um, he is the president and executive director of GNO Inc., Michael Hecht. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Kim, thank you so much. Glad to be here and I'm glad the magazine has survived its inauspicious start with me. <laughs> I mean, that was a pretty nice cover. I, I liked it. <laughs> it's a glamour shot. I kind of love it. I'm actually it looking at it right now. Shot. Yeah. Can't lie, I framed it. <laughs> well, we did too, so that's good. Um, so I have so much to talk to you today in a short period of time, but because Gino Inc. has been super, super busy, and I know one of the big things in the news has been the NOLA Coalition. Um, everybody is super familiar with our crime problem, and um, but what you guys have done is gather over 400 organizations in the area to um, start really addressing this stuff in a non-political way and just just get it done. So, so tell me what's what's going on with all of that. Thanks, Kim. So the NOLA Coalition started because we realized about two months ago that what was happening with the crime situation here, uh, first and foremost, was unacceptable in terms of its threat to, to lives. Uh, it was just purely a moral problem, but also it was a problem of it with its threat to livelihoods, uh, to our economy. And we sat in our executive committee and we said, well, we're not criminologists, but how can we affect this? What are we good at? And we said, well, look, GNO Inc. is good at, bring, at bringing people together. We're good at building coalitions. And so we said, let's try to build a coalition to drive some common sense changes to help make our, seats, our, our streets safer and help improve the lives of our young people. Uh, we had no idea that it would grow you know, to over 400 nonprofits, organizations, and, and businesses at this point. Uh, but it has, because I think there was just such hunger in the city for a vessel in which people could pour their time and treasure and energy to help uh, make a better New Orleans. And so that's how large the NOLA Coalition has grown to this point. So what's been going on? You guys have gotten some big gifts lately. Yeah, well, there are two platforms to the NOLA Coalition. The first one is community support for NOPD, and that has seven different subsections on it, which are things like pay and recruitment and technology and better use of resources. Then we have a second platform, which is investment in youth services. So the first platform is dealing with the immediate challenge. The second one is trying to drive generational change. Uh, we've gotten some very large gifts recently. That's correct. Um, IMTT uh, came in with a million dollar gift over three years. Uh, Ladder and Bloom uh, came in with a $500,000 uh, gift, Bob Merrick. And we have uh, another one we're going to announce this week, and this is going to be go through to nonprofits that are being funded through the United Way uh, that are helping children with mentorship, with educational opportunities, with mental health counseling, um, all of those things that our young people coming out of COVID now need more than ever. Okay, so yeah, so getting them from not wandering the streets, causing some problems, but, but getting them, you know, the help that they need and, you know, getting them into 
other activities. And that's right. And so, you know, you could think about some organizations that we know well, like Youth Empowerment Project or Son of a Saint. But then there are a lot of other organizations that are smaller and growing, uh, like 18th Ward, which does after school sports activities, or the First 72, which helps returning citizens, or Black Man Rising, which provides mentorship to young people. Uh, a lot of these organizations are doing very good work, and with a little bit more funding and technical support, could impact that many more young people. And uh, as we know, a young person that makes good decisions uh, is going to end up having a good impact on others, and it's going to echo. But also, uh, making some bad decisions, particularly when young, uh, when the maturity is not fully there, can lead to a lot of bad outcomes. So getting them at that crucial moment is critical. So these organizations that sign on, is it, are they making financial pledges? Are they making, what are, what, what does it mean to be a part of the coalition? So to be part of the coalition simply means that you believe in our concurrent two platforms, community support for NOPD to create safety today and investment in youth services to create change for tomorrow. It really just signals a philosophical support for this concurrent approach because uh, too often people think that you can only deal with more safety today or generational change for tomorrow. Uh, the NOLA coalition, I think, is different for two reasons. One is that we're saying you have to do both concurrently, but the other one is that we're saying that uh, this is a group of people who truly look like New Orleans. It's folks from New Orleans East to Lakeview to Uptown to Central City. It's black and white. It's Democrat. It's Republican. And I think in that sense, you can't pigeonhole or marginalize this group because we truly do look and represent a cross-section of the entire city. So I know one of the big issues is the low staffing for NOPD. Do you feel like there's we're heading in the right direction that way? Well, the announcement made by the mayor last week to put tens of millions of dollars into NOPD staffing, I think was one recognition of the challenge and two begins to get at some of the issues, which is making sure that pay is competitive and actually creating a symbolic way of saying we value you. But there are other things that are happening, like changes to the Public Integrity Bureau, uh, better equipment, looking at civilianization in order to uh, put civilians in positions so that cops can go back on the street that were also discussed. And those are also important tactics. Okay. Um, yeah, there was a, a there's a group um, on scene services that we were talking to. They were interesting and they, they would uh, help with uh, uh, car accidents and things like that. Just trying to take some of the roles off of the police that that they can. That's right. We, we love on-scene services because what they do is they take typically retired officers and they'll re respond to non-injury accidents. And what this means is, so my kid had a fender bender a couple of months ago, and I noticed that there were three to four cops there at all times for about three to four hours. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, clearly not a good use of resources in a city that's strapped for resources in more acute situations. So with on-scene services, these are now uh, non-officers who are responding, who are dealing with the insurance issues. Um, and it just is a smart way to take the officers who want to be doing better police work and allowing them to do it. So are we talking about like having community members in like wandering like downtown? Like have, how do you how do you do more civilianization? Well, there, there are different examples. So in the case of on-scene services, these are generally retired officers. So they are not official officers, but they understand at a general level what it means to, to be a cop, but they're still civilians. Right. Uh, and they are in a, they actually have a contract with the NOPD. 
another way that you can use civilians is just having them get into managerial and desk jobs that are kind of generic in nature, uh, doing things like accounting and finance um, and administrative work that uniformed officers don't need to be doing and don't want to be doing. Okay. And then there's some other critical positions like uh, crime analysts, uh, data analysts, where people have specific technical skills but don't need to be post-certified cops in order to do them. Uh, all of these are examples of civilianization. All right, so we'll, we'll skip to something else too. So you had mentioned insurance real quick, and of course we've had a lot of things in the news with the flood insurance. And I know GNO Inc. has been um, a, a force in that area. Are you hearing, seeing, doing anything on that? I know it's, it's, it's just hit hard since Ida and a lot of other things too. Yeah, so on the flood insurance, uh, our Coalition for Sustainable Flood Insurance actually had a meeting today and we have a white paper that's coming out that's going to be analyzing um, what's happening with risk rating 2.0. And the problem with risk rating 2.0 is that it's meant to provide more accurate information to homeowners. The problem is that FEMA has not been transparent about how they're calculating risk rating 2.0. So it's kind of like getting a credit score without knowing the factors that are going into it. It's not particularly useful. And then we know that rates are expected to go up about 122% on average and probably much more for people from Louisiana. So we're very concerned about affordability, particularly for people who are less well off or on fixed incomes. So our coalition is now gonna be lobbying in DC for better transparency, for guardrails on, uh, on affordability, because the reality is that uh, flood insurance is important to just about half the country that lives and works near water. Right. Uh, and so we have to make sure that it doesn't encourage bad behavior but at the same time, it does need to be um, affordable. And, you know, Kim, there, there's really, uh, it's part of a bigger story about insurance. Uh, property and casualty, casualty insurance is going up because companies are leaving Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, auto insurance in Louisiana is already number two or three most expensive in the country. Mm -hmm. You put all these things together along with things like rising healthcare costs. And what you have is kind of an affordability death of a thousand cuts of which flood insurance is one cut. So we have to pay attention to flood insurance, but at the same time, there are other issues that we also need to be paying attention to, which collectively impact folks' ability to you know, live and raise a family in the New Orleans region. And for us to bring in businesses, right? I mean- No doubt, no doubt, because businesses are subject to these costs and then the employees of these businesses are subject to these costs. So uh, we have to be concerned on both sides. All right, and then let's talk about um, a, a recent big win, this clean hydrogen plant um, idea this, for this $50 million federal grant. Um, you guys are part of another coalition, like you said, GNO Inc. is, is big on the coalitions. Um, H2 The Future, which is a 25 organization partnership. Um, and the goal is to develop an offshore wind powered hydrogen energy industry cluster in South Louisiana. So this is looking like the, the name says to the future of energy development. And, and I guess like, tell us a little bit about that. And this is, this is a big win. Yeah, well, it's, it's a big win for our coalition. Uh, we were one of 21 selected winners from over 500 uh, applicants across the country. So it was very selective. And what's exciting about it is that it really is the economy meeting the environment. Um, the, the, the background of this is that hydrogen is a very important 
feedstock for our industry. It's used to make ammonia, for example, which you make fertilizer out of. It's used to refine steel. It's used to refine oil and gas. But the problem is that we typically make hydrogen for industrial use by what's called cracking natural gas, by splitting up natural gas. And the problem is that that gives you hydrogen, but it also gives you carbon dioxide, which is bad for the environment. The way green hydrogen works is that you're creating a chemically identical hydrogen molecule, but one that has been created with zero impact on the environment with no carbon emission. And you do that by, instead of splitting up gas, you split up water. So with splitting up water, all you get is hydrogen, H2, and then pure oxygen. The machine that does this is called an electrolyzer. And in order for the process to be totally clean end-to-end, you have to power that electrolyzer with a clean energy source like wind or solar. So in H2 the future, we're going to have wind power out in the Gulf that's going to be powering electrolyzers, maybe sitting on abandoned oil and gas rigs, that's going to be creating hydrogen, which is then piped into our industry. And the net result of this, according to McKinsey, is that we can preserve and grow all of our industrial jobs, but potentially reduce emissions by as much as 70%. So is this happening other places in the world right now? Um, It is beginning to happen on a small scale. The biggest issue right now is that the price of green hydrogen is uh, higher than the price of gray hydrogen. Green hydrogen is about five to six dollars per kilogram. Gray hydrogen is about two, maybe two to three dollars now with natural gas being more expensive. So one of the things that we're doing on our project is one, leveraging the vast uh, market for industrial hydrogen in Louisiana to amortize the costs over a big volume, but also our schools like LSU and UL Lafayette are working on next generation electrolyzers, which are gonna be more efficient and drive down the per unit cost. Because basically we need to get the green hydrogen cost down to the gray hydrogen cost in order for this to really work as as a market driven phenomenon. It cannot be just a subsidized phenomenon. It's gonna have real market dynamics. Right. Um, so what, what does the timeline look like with something like this? Um, we, it's expected that green hydrogen will match gray hydrogen as soon as 2028. Uh, we're beginning to kick off our project um, in, in the first, well, basically we're working on it now. Uh, but within four years, which is the timeline of our project, we expect to have significant research coming out of the universities, many more clean energy companies here in the state. We're going to have open what's called Nexus the new energy center of the United States out at UNO. And we're gonna have a pilot project at the Port of South Louisiana that's going to feature the first zero emission tugboats in, the, in, in America working on the Mississippi fueled out of a fueling barge we're building at the Port of South Louisiana. So we're, wow. we're trying to show the whole thing soup to nuts. So this, this sounds like a real game changer um, for the area. It potentially is because what's nice about wind power is that it leverages the assets and workforce and skills of the oil and gas industry. Somebody who's been constructing or working on an oil and gas rig can construct and work on a wind uh, installation. Secondly, it allows us to preserve our jobs, particularly for our rural populations uh, and those that have been displaced as oil and gas has shrunk without harming the environment. So um, if we're able to pull this off to some degree, it's going to be a real win for both the economy and the environment. And, and that's, a, that's a nice win-win. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I hesitate to even ask, but is there anything else <laughs> that's 
going on. I can't imagine there is, but. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to be having uh, reintroducing our next phase for Gnome, our New Orleans music economy initiative okay. uh, coming out soon. Um, we've got a number of internship programs with our HBCUs. We're very excited about we're replacing students with STEM companies um, and in startups. Uh, we're working on the new port facility uh, down at St. Bernard, which we need in order to get the post Panamax vessels. Right. Uh, NeuroNola is a bioscience initiative to make us the MD Anderson of neuroscience. We continue to work on growing our video game sector, which is not only growing fast, but one of the most inclusive in the country. Um, and every now and then we, uh, you know, eat and sleep. Yeah, I cannot even imagine. Uh, you get, and you've had some exciting new hires lately. Yeah, we got a, a great bunch of new hires. Like at the end of the day, Kim, obviously the reason why we're able to do this is because we've got a remarkable team. And so all the credit is due to our team and due to our board, uh, a bunch of happy warriors that are able to, uh, to get a lot done for, for, a lot done for the region, a lot done for the state. Well, that's incredibly exciting and you're making me exhausted just talking to you. <laughs> um, but I'm glad you're out there fighting the fight. Um, and I, I know because it, it's been it's been a hard couple of years and I, people are uh, you see a, a lot of frustration and a lot of just people down on New Orleans. And it's so I I'm very excited to talk to people like you to talk to people that are are really fighting the fight and and pushing us in a good direction. Well, thanks, Kim. Look, it's important that even while we're playing defense, we're still playing offense, right? You got to play both at the same time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. You know, I, I call it the cha-cha progress. Two steps forward, one step backwards every day. That's progress. Well, that's good. That's a good way of looking at it, I guess, huh? <laughs> um, I really appreciate your time. You're, you're doing 8 billion things, and um, but you always make time for us, and I, I think it's- uh, you guys very happy. <laughs> you have a wonderful you have you have a wonderful magazine, a wonderful product and you've really added a lot of narrative richness to the business community with the stories that you put out and the people that you profile. So, um, thank you. I really appreciate it what y'all do. It's really Kim. Thank you so much. Well, you guys keep giving us good stuff to talk about. So, um, and we'll keep doing it. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And if anybody wants to keep in touch with you guys, um, it's gnoinc.org. Gnoinc.org. And the NOLA Coalition is nolacoalition.info. If people want to learn more or to sign up, it's nolacoalition.info. Perfect. And as far as the H2, the future, is that just, is that information? Yeah, there actually is a website. It's h2thefuture.org. So you can okay. go on and basically learn more about this, h2thefuture.org. And that, I'm assuming, is going to give us um, workforce opportunities for the future as well. Uh, yeah, that's one of their five work streams. One of them is workforce training with the LCTCS system. Okay, perfect. New job opportunities. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for listening again this week. Um, this has been another episode of BizTalks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.